At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This Christmas season, we invite you to look deeper into the incredible covenants God made with His people in Scripture. Tune into our current series, Gift Wrapped, From Longing to Lavish, to discover God's unwavering promises to meet the ultimate longings of our heart and ultimately renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. I'd encourage you, if you have a Facebook account, uh, that you, you could do it now if you want, but sometime you need to find Kim Smith. You need to friend him. Because you will find, finally, a good purpose for Facebook. <laughs> it will connect you to live action ministry that is changing heaven and earth. And you'll be able to see it just like that. I love the reports that Kim uh, puts on his page. Sometimes it is videos that um, some of his disciples and, and the, the church there has created, which is awesome. Sometimes it's just on the road. They're on their motorbikes and, you know, you just can't understand what he's talking about when he's talking about the motorbike trips until you watch a video of it. This is great. You think, it's not possible. So here's a question for you. Um, what's the longest drive you've ever taken? Somebody throw out a really long one that you've taken. Okay, me too. That was, the, that was my thought. Can anybody beat that? West Coast, you've driven to the West Coast. Who else? Somebody else in California. California? That's incredible. That's, how many days that take? Three days? About that? Uh-huh. Ed? Okay, that's a long drive. Absolutely. Yep. Kim, what's a, what's a trip to the airport? Or? To go to the bank. Go to the bank. Go to the bank. Nine days. Nine days to go to the bank. Yeah. Nine days to go to the bank. And come back. Round trip. That's incredible. Okay, let's think about the, those road trips that some of you took. You got to stop once in a while, right? On our trip, Tessa, to Florida, it's kind of like every four or five hours, right? Where you stop, you got you to gotta refuel. Of course, you got to um, get nutrition. You have to use the restroom and such things. And that... Gives you a pause. And when we head to Florida, right, we, we take I-75 south, right? Just due south. You just keep going. It's kind of a nice trek. You just keep going. So different than the trip to the bank. But I love to kind of just kind of, as soon as I get out, I think, okay, how warm is it now? Because I'm coming from Michigan. Typically, we go when it's cold, right? And so we're looking forward to getting down south where it's warm, and so your first stop is in Ohio. And you get out, it's pretty much the same, not much different. And then you go another four or five hours. Now you're maybe into Tennessee. And you stop and you get out. And say, okay, it's a little warmer. And then you, and you keep going. You start to get into Georgia. Now it's getting a little warmer, but you're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm more than halfway here. And it's still pretty hovering around that 50 degree mark. I'm looking for 80s. And you feel like 80s is never going to come. That's for a 20-hour trip. 
Think of the journey of redemption. Where Adam and Eve violate God's clear command. He gives them a promise that I'm going to make it right. And then you've got this saga, this journey of human history that just takes forever. Every once in a while, God steps in in kind of a rest area and says, now here's the promise. Here's another aspect of the promise. The journey's continuing. I know it feels like you left 30 degrees and it's only 31. But the journey's continuing. My plan is moving. Some of those rest areas we could call covenants. Because God comes in and he speaks to his people and he makes a promise to them. A covenant is more than just a promise. In fact, one scholar has defined a covenant as a chosen relationship in which two parties make the promise. And so a covenant is not just a legal document where there's no relationship, it's just the black and white. A covenant is a relationship. And God has given, he has made, he has cut covenant with his people and various people throughout this journey of the storyline of the Bible. Last week we looked at Noah, right? When God saw the wickedness of man that, and the evil that was on man's heart was all, that's all it was is just evil. And he said it needs to, it needs to wash free from that wickedness. We need to start again. So the global flood came and he cleansed the world. He spared Noah because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And as Noah came out, God made a covenant with Noah. He says, I'm not going to do this to the world again until my plan of redemption is fulfilled. So he entered into a relationship with Noah, cut a covenant, and that was his promise. And then he called Noah to not shed the blood of humans and the humankind. The, the lifeblood is in the flesh. So he treasured human life. And he put the sign in the sky, right? The sign of the covenant, the rainbow of this chosen relationship in which these two parties came into. And then the story of the scripture continues, but soon you get to the life of Abraham. And that's where we'd like to look at today. Kind of this rest area on this incredible journey, this long journey of God's plan of redemption. We get to Abram, and it's so key. And we are not going to do justice to it today. Um, and that's why we're encouraging you to uh, subscribe to the text devotionals, because it will take you deeper into that. I hope that you'll pick up a family devotional book, because that will give you the story of this covenant relationship that God formed with Abram. But let's look briefly at this this morning. Genesis chapter 12, 15, and 17 are three chapters where God gives this covenant. Um, in chapter 12, he, God calls Abraham, or Abram, he's called at the time, to leave his father's land, and he outlines his covenant, which is an incredible promise. God promises him to make him a great nation out of his descendants. God promises to give him offspring and that offspring would be a blessing to all nations. So God is not just saying, I'm going to have this nation to myself. He's saying, I'm going to call this nation, this new nation to myself and bless all nations of the world, whether they live in the community of Algonac, Michigan or in the community in Liberia. I'm going to bless all nations through through my people. And then he says, I'm going to give this chosen people a land. 
a promised land. So the relationship, God calls Abram into this relationship. He says, Testing, back to Eric's mic. Let's see if this helps me sing as beautifully as Eric does. Give me a, give me a song. No, this is fine. Is there a note? Nancy, you want to give me a note that I can start on? No. She says, no, she does not. <laughs> Chapter 15 is what we're going to look at together briefly today. Um, and again, I'm going to want you to read, read through this chapter later because we'll just look at a glimpse of it. But this is where God confirms his promise. So in chapter 12, God calls Abram into this covenant. Chapter 15, years later, God reaffirms his covenant to Abram because Abram is asking the question, okay, is this really going to come true? You ever heard one of God's promises and you cling to it and then you move on through life and all the circumstances seem to suggest something else and your heart begins to doubt and fear where God and his grace can step in and somehow whether it's through words of someone or whether it's through a verse of scripture or whether it's through a sermon or a teaching where God says to you, no, it's true, it's, it's true. God's response to Abram, we see that God's promises are firmly anchored in his character. His promises are firmly anchored in his character. What promises of God are hard to believe for you? Abram's... Um, the promise to Abram was difficult to believe. He's a 75-year-old guy. When God said to him, I'm going to give you offspring and make from you a new nation. 75 years. Now, that was probably a younger 75 than today, but still it says he's advancing in age. And then years go by, and he still hasn't had a child. And so no wonder he begins to fear and question. Maybe for you, it's God's promise that for for those that love God, I will make all things work together for good. And you come into a situation and say, how in the world could that possibly be true in this? Maybe you come across a situation, a circumstance where God's promise that says, I will meet all your needs according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus. And you ask the question, then why haven't you? Where God promises to order your steps and to guide you and give you the Holy Spirit that will teach you in the way you should go. And you, 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 you stay in that you're still in the situation where you have no idea what to do. And you ask the question, then, God, what was this promise all about? Well, as we look at the covenant of Abraham, and there's so much that affects this plan of redemption, we can understand that his promises are firm. So what do we do? What do we do in here? Genesis chapter 15 in verse 1 says this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. 
But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. As an act of grace, God steps in and he gives assurance of his promise. So what do you do when you begin to question his promises? You rest in his assurances. God has done this so consistently through Scripture. When he gives a promise, he does it again, and he says it again, and he says it again. For instance, to Joshua. Joshua uh, took over for Moses, felt way uh, over his head in his leadership responsibilities. And Joshua chapter 1 begins, in those first couple, three chapters, we see God again and again and again saying to him, So be strong and courageous, for I am your God. I know, Joshua, you're afraid, and it feels very overwhelmed, but be strong and courageous. Over and over, he gives that, that, that promise. I think of, um, of Jesus' words with his disciples. When he says to them repeatedly, four specific times we see in the, the Gospels, where he stops his, row, his journey of those, that three-year ministry, and he pulls a rest area, and he says, now here's what's going to happen. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed. He'll be killed. But on the third day, he'll rise again. And it seems like even after the fourth time, they still didn't get it. And it wasn't until it actually happened, they thought, oh, he told us like four times about this. When Jesus ascended up to to the Father, he says, don't worry, I will be with you. Uh, As the Father sent me, so send I you, and I will never, no, never leave you or forsake you. Even in that statement, he says it over and over again. I will never leave you. I'll never, no, never leave you. We as humans are prone to doubt, and so he reassures us of his promise. God's message continues to Abram. Abram, in his fear, he questions God, and God says, Fear not, Abram, I'm your shield, and your reward shall be very great. What do you do when you question God's promises? Well, one, you, you rest in his reassurances, and then, then number two, we need to believe in his promise. You, you need to believe. In, in verse Uh, In verse 6, it says, He believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham still didn't receive the promise. I mean, he received the promise. He didn't receive the fulfillment of it yet. So he's still in that place where he has to trust God. And according to the text, he chose to believe. And that's when God counted it for, for righteousness for him. You see, belief is not an emotion. Sometimes we, we have this thought that I just have to have this feeling that it's going to come true. But it doesn't seem like a, anything expresses that, that Abram had this sudden warm feeling that came over him. It's like, okay, whew, I now believe. No, what seems to happen is God spoke to him in a vision, reaffirmed the promise to him, and Abraham had, was at a crossroads where he had to decide, am I going to trust or am I not? And he believed, and it was counted as righteousness. Faith in God is how we live as followers of Christ, where we hear God's word and we act on it. Not because we have the warm fuzzies, but because we trust his word. That we believe, 
We've chosen to acknowledge that I'm not the first person, I'm not so special to be the first person that ever walked the face of the earth that would have one of God's promises fall flat. You know in your heart that all the things that God has said has come true, and you're not going to be the exception. So you choose to believe it and take the step. That's what Abram did. He believed, and he took the step, and he followed God. This is why we gather together. You heard the story of Brendan uh, this morning. The importance of gathering together and how difficult it is when we begin to neglect that or even when circumstances like we've been through in our country keeps us from gathering like we want to. It's hard on us because we need one another to remind us of his promises and his truths. So as much as lies within you, Believe and follow. Connect with the church family because that's where there are fellow journeyers in this, in this uh, journey of faith. That's why we encourage you to be in your word uh, on, your, on, in your own, on your own. It's because we need that repeated message from God because we're prone to wander. And we, we, we're desperate for, for those times where his truth continued to speak to us because there's so many other messages you're, you're going to face in this life. You can't be overwhelmed by them. We need to continue to transform our mind uh, with his word. That's why we gather in our group's ministry because we need one another to, even in a more personal way, hold one another true to God's truths. But it comes to the point some, some call it self, self-talk, but it's more of clinging, choosing to grip the promises of God that overpowers the feelings of our heart. We need to believe. And then, again, I t- I'm telling you, it's a summary. And then in verse 18, the Lord affirms this aspect of the promise of the promised land when he says, On that day the Lord made covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaim and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Gergesites and the Jebusites. In other words, God says, Let me put it on a map for you. This is how legitimate my promise is that I'm giving you a land. I can have you walk it through all these tribes and you'll be able to see that this is the land I will give you. Now, if you read this passage chapter carefully, you'll see that God also said, now the reality is 400 years are going to pass before you can, this land will be yours. You're going to go into a land that's not yours, speaking of Egypt, and uh, they'll be oppressed there. But at the end of those 400 years, they'll come back to this land that I just, I just etched out for you, and this will be your promised land. So he says to Abram, live in anticipation of the fulfillment of my promise. Live in anticipation of the fulfillment of my promise. If you look through the New Testament, when Jesus says to his followers, in this world you will have tribulation, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. He's giving a glimpse beyond what our present day situation is and saying that one day it's going to be worth it. One day it's going to be better. There is a home in heaven that I prepared for you, and that's where my promises will come to pass. There's a great tragedy in the American church today that we fail to mention enough 
the promise of eternity. It's as if we think that the only thing that God will help you with is now. But the reality is, the scripture says, you know how to get through now? It's to look forward to then. When, when the d- tears will be wiped away, death will be no more. There'll be no more sickness or pain because I will make my dwelling with you. And that will be fully life. This is not our home. What do you do when you begin to doubt the promises of God? You anticipate the fulfillment of his promises. Every promise has its yes and amen in Jesus. And he will bring about all this storyline of the the scriptures. Where are we in our journey? Let's see if it's a 20-hour journey to Florida and this plan of redemption that God started at creation and the fall and and carries it through. I don't know. we We might have like one corner to turn before we can see heaven as he describes it. We're almost there. And God still in his grace stops us and says, my word is true. You can trust it. When you're going through the hardship of life, and we've got plenty of hardship, don't we, Mary? Plenty of hardship in our life. Poor Danny, Danny Walker. He's getting married this weekend. Fell off a building, broke his foot. So I know he's discouraged. Danny, I'm telling you right now, God's in this. God's going to take care of you. And this is going to be a beautiful thing you'll look back on saying, remember a week before I was married, what happened? But the reality is, as beautiful as marriage is, he says, my fulfillment of glory and happiness actually comes in glory. And so don't put all your hope into things in this life. It's coming in things to come. It's coming in his kingdom. We're going to celebrate communion today. And, and again, communion is kind of a culmination, a celebration of culmination of, of Abraham's covenant, where he says all the nations of the world will be blessed through Abraham's descendants. And one day, Revelation says, one day, people from every tribe, every one of those nations he mentions that, get, that got the blessing from Abraham, Every one of the people from every one of those tribes will gather together around the throne of heaven and they will declare that worthy is the lamb who is slain. And they'll be able to experience people from every nation, every tribe, 300 and how many? 93 people from every tribe will be around that throne giving praise and glory to God. And we'll be a part of that. We'll be a part of that. All the pain and suffering that we're dealing with now will be just a faint memory because the glory of God will overshadow any of the adversity that we have faced. We're going to celebrate communion together here as a glimpse into something better that that's, is coming. It's promised. It will be fulfilled. The, men, the ushers are going to distribute the communion elements to you. So let's go ahead and distribute that uh, to our church family. And as they do that, I'm going to read that passage in Revelation that one day we will experience together. Revelation chapter 7. 
Revelation chapter 7 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Father, prepare our hearts to commemorate in the past that beautiful gift of reconciliation that was purchased through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Lord, bring that to us again as we remember that that is this, the, the, the anchor of our hope. It's not our good deeds. It's not our, our, um, our status and community. It's... It's only because of your work of redemption that we can stand before you. So sober us with the gravity of our sin. Lift our hearts as we think and reflect on the power of your forgiveness. So we look back to the cross. But we also look forward to that day that all, when, the, when the journey is finished, when, when the gospel has been preached to every tribe, the end comes, we gather together and we celebrate together with the, with the beautiful myriad of languages coming together to declare salvation belongs to our God and is because of the Lamb. So prepare our hearts to celebrate what you have done and what we'll experience in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you have used these before. There's a thin cellophane layer that gives access to that wafer, and then there's the, um, the foil covering also. This is what Jesus has asked us as a church to do that often as we gather together to remember his death and the new covenant in his blood. So that night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and it said, this is my body which is broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Let's remember Jesus together. And in the same way, he took the cup and he blessed it and he said that this is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember Jesus together. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you show the Lord's death. And we'll do that until he comes. And when he comes, we'll celebrate around the throne for eternity, basking in his glory, learning, discovering the incredible richness of who he is as a God. Worship team, I want you to come. Father, we thank you so much for uh, giving us reason to celebrate. Even in the difficulties of life, we celebrate you. We give you praise. We look forward to the day when all of this pain and heartache will be gone. And we'll gather together with people from every tribe and nation and declare salvation belongs to the Lord. 
Thank you for giving us Jesus. Thank you for the celebration of his birth. Thank you, Lord. You've given us understanding that he was born to die. Thank you for bringing us into your family. Thank you for your church that we can gather with today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.